It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And what's up, everybody? Welcome in. Wes Mitchell here. GC Live Monday edition of the show. Uh, Whether you're joining us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or on the audio-only podcast after uh, after the fact, we do appreciate it. Either way, any way you join us, we, of course, appreciate the support. Wes Mitchell again here flying solo today. Uh, What's up, Fred? What's up, everybody else already joining us? I see the numbers already going up, so appreciate you guys and girls joining us here on Monday. Plenty to get to. Again, I'm Wes. Solo show today, Chris, taking a little bit of vacation, getting out of town, uh, hanging out with the family a little bit. Uh, They rolled out on Sunday, I believe, and we'll be back uh, next weekend. And then of course, uh, next Monday, Chris will be back on the show with me. So I, uh, I was thinking about not having a show just cause I much prefer doing the shows, uh, you know, with someone else, but actually uh, with so much going on this weekend, I figured y'all had a lot to talk about and I figured I'd get on here and, and chat with y'all. We'll sort of go maybe a little bit more Q and a style today, whatever you folks want to talk about. I'll certainly frame the show around that, but also have uh, have taken some notes on stuff we need to hit just because, as I said, it was, it was a very busy weekend uh, starting, you know, we talked about it on Friday leading into the weekend. It was going to be a very exciting weekend for anybody who is a South Carolina athletics fan. And uh, it did not, uh, it did not disappoint as far as the excitement level, obviously uh, at least one of the major results, not quite what anybody in Gamecock nation wanted, but the excitement level, was there. Uh, let's see. First of all, got to tell everybody about my good buddy, Clint Hammond. Clint Hammond is our presenting sponsor. Clint helps make, helps make this show possible. And uh, Clint is uh, the main man at Mortgage Network here in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, those of you in the area, uh, their office is right over there across from Dreer High School near the Dunkin' Donuts. So if you want to drop in in person, you can actually go by and see Clint there. But uh, check out his information, clinthammond.com. You see it right above my head every single show if you watch on video, if you watch on the stream, 803-771-6933. Again, that is clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. Clint helps make this show possible. And we, of course, appreciate Clint for everything he does for us here at GC Live. Clint, a huge, not just GC Live supporter, but a Gamecock Central subscriber and a huge Gamecock fan. So I know a lot of you like to support other people who own and run businesses that, you know, are are South Carolina fans, South Carolina people, South Carolina families. Clint's your guy. He'll get you a low interest rate, help you through the process, whether you're a first-time home buyer or you're just, uh, you know, maybe wanting to refinance and get a little bit lower interest rate, save some money. Go check Clint out again, clinthammond.com. If y'all hear that clicking, that's me just getting my, Links up on the page. Again, flying solo today. Hope you all had a great weekend. Hope you had a great Easter. Hope you had a great sports weekend. It was um, it was exciting, if if nothing else, uh, for South Carolina fans this weekend. Uh, local Sports Talk wants to know how much is it to subscribe to Gamecock Central. Generally, you're looking at about 10 bucks a month. 
about a hundred bucks per year. If you do the annual subscription, we do almost always have um, some type of new, not always, but we, we run a lot of specials to get people in and, and sort of let them see what it's all about. If you go to the front page right now, there's actually a buy one month, get four free special we're running right now with the code Carolina G4. So before we get into football, before we get into baseball, before we get into men's basketball, I thought we have to go back, talk for a second about the women's basketball game on Friday. And uh, I'm telling y'all, so on Friday, I think this was on Friday, I said, you know, you've kind of reached that point where no matter what happens, of course, referring to the women's basketball team, making it all the way to the Final Four as a one seed. You know, if you're a one seed, then, you know, if you win all the games, you're going to be projected to win. You know, you make it to the Final Four. So then if you make it to the Final Four, you're sort of saying, okay, no matter what happens moving forward, this season is a success. Well, then you get into the game, and if you're a fan and you realize there's a chance to win the game, Nobody wants to sit there and talk, you know, here we are two, three days later about the missed opportunity that that was and, and how it happened. But my my biggest takeaway from the game is something I saw echoed throughout Twitter and, and really not just from South Carolina fans, but so many other just fans of sports that were watching the game on Friday was just how hard South Carolina competed how, uh, you know, this was no fluke. South Carolina, you know, Stanford was the national champion and South Carolina shot for shot belonged absolutely on the same court with Stanford. Now credit them, you know, they, they got the job done last night on Sunday. They got the job done on Friday with yes, a little bit of help from the referees, give them credit. They got the job done, but your South Carolina Gamecocks 100% belonged on the same court, 100%, I believe, are, are here to stay, are going to compete, you know, just the same they did this year. They're going to compete next year for that title. I wouldn't bet against the Gamecocks going into next year. But, uh, man, what what a game. That, that was, that's the other takeaway. If you, if you sort of zoom out from the South Carolina perspective of it, zoom out from, from being a South Carolina fan, uh, just both sides absolutely competed their tails off. Uh, Zaya Cook stepping up when it mattered most, um, having a huge game for South Carolina. Destiny Henderson, later as, as the game progressed, she got more and more involved offensively and just um, hit, hit some huge shots. And, and then to have a shot to win it at the end, uh, you, you feel for somebody like Aaliyah Boston, who obviously um, – just instantly was beside herself after the buzzer sounded. And uh, you, you feel for the girls who, just like I said, competed their tails off. Honestly, that that game that game and the national championship, I truly believe were, were both great for women's basketball because you saw the skill, you saw the ability, and uh, you saw two really just entertaining basketball games. And I, I know as they try to – continue to grow this game and, and put the game on, on a level where it gets seen by more people. Um, you have to have games like that. And I think there were a lot of people tuning in and uh, a lot of people who tuned in were, were very impressed with what they saw and impressed with, with both teams. But um, you have to, yes, Nathan, Gamecock, Russ, everybody in the chat, you do hate when a game like that 
is decided by the stripes. And, you know, I, I, I thought that was a very obvious kickball. We, we, re, we review everything else now in sports, which don't get me started on that. I think, you know, review has taken on a life of its own. It takes way too long. It slows the disruption of the game or it, it sort of puts – it slows the pace of the game, I should say. It disrupts the game in baseball, in basketball, in the NFL, across the board. Review has its pluses and minuses. But if we're already going to review everything, then there should be something in place with a massive call like that late in a game that is going to potentially, you know, is going to help decide a championship one game away from the national title game. You would think there would be a way to 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 sort of implement – review and get those calls right uh that's just me but the kickball was very obvious so sometimes the problem with review is that um you can slow it down and it's still just impossible to tell you know if if, when you're you're looking was a guy tagged you know if we're talking about baseball is a guy tagged before his hand hits the base sliding in you can go frame by frame it's impossible Sometimes trying to tell, you know, if an out of bounds play went off somebody's fingertip is impossible. And it just takes forever and it's sort of pointless. But a play like that, I, I don't really understand why we don't have a mechanism to, to stop things and say, look, this is an egregious bad call. We don't want this to affect the game. You know, let's go look at this and, and call it a kickball and, and get it right. But that's just me. Again, still my biggest uh, my biggest takeaway. Both sides just absolutely competed their tails off. Um, South Carolina belonged. Stanford obviously belonged as well. And um, I believe the two best teams. I believe that was the two best teams in the country playing right there. And uh, then uh, obviously did not go the Gamecocks way. But they'll be back. Uh, several big-time recruits coming in that get added to a group that already is obviously very good, very talented, and will have the experience now. We got to remember, y'all, This most of this team had never played in the NCAA tournament before because you had so many sophomores on that floor that didn't get a chance to play in it last year because of the COVID cancellation. They would have, obviously. They would have made it and probably would have gone pretty far, but they didn't have that experience last year. And they stepped up, I think worth pointing out, they stepped up and became veterans, I feel like, as this year progressed and really stepped up to the challenge. So uh, impressed with them. You have to be impressed with them. I thought it was really great of the fan base to have the have so many people show up when the girls got back and um, be there for them to have a little sort of almost mini parade when they arrived back in Columbia. That was a a really nice touch, so kudos to the Gamecock fan base. Again, lots to talk about. It's just me, so any questions y'all have, throw them my way. We'll hit football, a men's basketball commitment. We just talked women's basketball and South Carolina baseball with another SEC win over the weekend. I want to start there because I don't. if I get into football, it'll sort of take on its uh, a life of its own. But baseball continues to roll. Uh, a tough defeat on Friday. Uh, I don't know how many of you watched the game on Friday. I was able to catch most of it. 
really just a, a game where South Carolina was in position to win and uh, faltered down the stretch. But uh, this team, y'all, continues to prove that they are able to bounce back. Uh, they can face adversity. They can face situations that, uh, you know, obviously they don't want to be in, but they bounce back from them very well. They've now, obviously they had won six straight. They lost on Friday, but uh, have now won, I guess that's what, eight of nine. Um, is that right? Six straight. Yeah, so um, really just bounced back from Friday. Played very, very well on Saturday. Played extremely well on Sunday. And how about Will Sanders, SEC co-freshman of the week, someone that uh, we, we knew you knew from the reports coming out when South Carolina signed him that this kid was really, really good and had a huge upside. But to be doing what he's doing already as a true freshman and to to be able to it, – it's one thing, as we've learned in baseball with all the analytics, it's one thing to go through the order the first time and, and be successful. It's completely different as a freshman at the SEC level to be able to churn through an order – two, three, four times, maintain your ability to keep them guessing, basically, maintain your ability to keep your velocity up and uh, maintain your ability to, to continue to successfully mix, you know, mix pitches. And, um, you know, he comes in, he throws hard, the changeup is good, the slider um, was biting pretty well most of the day on Sunday as well. So when you can command all those pitches, um, it doesn't matter if you're a freshman, sophomore, junior, whatever, you're, you're going to be pretty successful. But just that much more impressive that Sanders is doing this as a true freshman. And, you know, what? watching what Julian Bosnick was able to do coming in out of the pen, I actually I, – I think that's a much better role for him moving forward, um, not having to sort of, you know, moderate yourself a little bit, not having to – you know, you, you know you're not having to extend two, three, four, five innings. If you're a starter, you're always sort of thinking about the big picture. I think if you come in as a as a reliever, you're able to sort of say, I, "I've got I've got three outs to get. I've got two outs to get." And if you're Bosnick, I think for his just currently where he's at as a player, that fits him very well, and I think actually puts him in a position to be another key piece out of this bullpen for South Carolina and a, a lefty piece at that. So you're starting – I think it's always interesting as a year progresses, you take what you think a team is going to look like, and then you sort of – you know, as it progresses, you tweak this, you tweak that. And I think that, that tweak of, of Sanders sort of coming on and taking over the Sunday role and – you know, I, I'll be curious to see, do they even remain, do they continue to call it T, TBA or do they just give Sanders that, that starting spot? Because he's been so good in that role so far as a true freshman, uh, you maybe just go ahead and lock him in and, and give him that spot and, and let Brett Carey focus completely on being a bullpen piece. I'll, I'll be curious to see if they take the same approach as they have the last two weeks where they have called it TBA, but then they, they have obviously needed to use Brett Carey out of the bullpen, they've done that, and then Sanders has gotten the start. But to me, he's a guy that takes this team to another level in that he's been outstanding and is sort of outplaying what you projected of him 
to start the year with him starting not in a Sunday role. And uh, now the question becomes, can, uh, you know, do, do you start Mahoney again on Tuesday? Who can maybe take over that midweek role and, and who can sort of go from there? But uh, again, great weekend series win. Um, the, the bats came out, especially game two, game three. Uh, you had a two home run game uh, from Brady Allen. Uh, Wes Clark uh, still leads the country in, in home runs. He added to his total a couple of times this week. And really a uh, one of those series where you go into and you say South Carolina should win this, but Georgia has been so good at beating South Carolina in, uh, in recent years that you can't count it as a dub. So I, uh, you know, I, I think obviously very impressive all the way around with what South Carolina was going to, was able to do this weekend. Brian asked, uh, are we where we should be underachieving or just right? Um, well, shoot, I, I, I think you left out the answer I would give Brian. I, I would say at this point, South Carolina is overachieving this year. I mean, uh, y'all, y'all can weigh in. Do y'all agree or disagree? I, I think for some people that's probably about what they thought, but if you had told me coming into the year, knowing how good the SEC was going to be, that you could have gone on the road at Vanderbilt, which, by the way, Vandy is as good, if not better, than we thought they would be on paper. Florida at home, uh, which, again, you know, South Carolina hadn't beaten Florida in a series, um, shoot, since beating them in the in the College World Series when you took two from them then. And then, uh, you know, and, and hadn't won a regular season series since before that, I guess. Plus, you have this Georgia team that on paper certainly is not up to the level of a Vandy or a Florida, but has consistently beaten South Carolina the last few years. Um, it's been weird how good Georgia has been against South Carolina. It just doesn't compute with you because you traditionally think of South Carolina as being a better baseball program than Georgia. But if you told me after all that, that South Carolina would be 6-3 and three in the SEC – with a a win, a series win already over Clemson, then you know I, I I think if you're a South Carolina fan, you're you're taking that to the bank. You probably you probably wouldn't have projected a a sweep at the hands of Texas. Um, you probably could have projected at least a, a midweek loss somewhere in there. You always are going to have a slip up or two as far as that goes. But if you had traded, if you had the option of beating Texas in that series or taking a three, you know, a three game sweep at Texas and then having this start in SEC play, six and three in SEC play, I think you take what has happened to South Carolina, the six and three SEC start. You you take that every single day, right? And now uh, you know, took care of business against Georgia. You have a Missouri team this weekend that um is probably one of your worst teams in the league. Now that that doesn't mean that they uh, you know that they can't beat you. They obviously can, but as far as opportunities and looking at this schedule, you know you have you have to beat Missouri this weekend. Yeah, you, you absolutely have to win this series. They're three and six in SEC play right now. Again, South Carolina six and three. When you look at what's coming up, uh, as Brian says, tough stretch coming up. Absolutely, you've got. You've got at LSU now, and, and LSU is one and eight this year, which nobody would have ever projected or predicted that. But they're still LSU. 
is still at LSU. Um, then you look past that. I, I mean, the next three weekends almost read like the, the top five, basically. So you have Arkansas is number two in the country. Ole Miss is number three in the country. Mississippi State, number five in the country. Then at Kentucky, which is not ranked, at least by um, – I'm, I'm using the secsports.com website. I don't know exactly which rankings they officially use, y'all. But you've got the number two team, the number three team, the number five team, and the number six team left um, in SEC play to go along with Missouri at LSU and at Kentucky. So got to be ready, got to beat Missouri, got to find a way to at least take two of three from them this weekend and continue this positive momentum, which right now you would expect South Carolina to do. There's no signs right now of it slowing up. I'm still – I tell you guys, I'm going to keep harping on this. Brennan Malone is still the guy that I circle and say, if he can get it going, that adds another element to this baseball team. So highly regarded out of high school. It's not quite worked out yet, but Malone was really, really good on Saturday. I thought had some really good at bats, had some good swings, um, had a big hit, had had another line drive that sort of uh, I think the Georgia third baseman made a great play on, and I, I think is showing progress and, and showing signs of life. So if you can get Brendan Malone, you know he was re- rewarded by his play on Saturday with another start on Sunday. If you can get him going, just adds another bat to this lineup moving forward. For South Carolina. So um, we're going to move on. Uh, and, and yeah, Gamecock Russ, good point here. Talil playing really well right now. He's going to have to keep that up, obviously. But when, you know, he, he's he's such a good defender. I, I know he had the error on Friday, but most of the time he's such a good, smooth defender that you you don't even – he doesn't have to be one of your top five or six hitters in this lineup. But what you really need from Khalil is just for him not to have completely non-productive outs. You know, it's not, he, he doesn't he doesn't need to hit 350. If he can just hit 240 and have productive outs, move runners up, not hit into double plays, um, get the bunt down when you need him to. With, with as good as the rest of the lineup can be. Um, you know, especially when you have a guy like Burgess who's sort of who actually had a really good week at the plate as well. When you have things like that going, Khalil just needs to be his normal great defensive self and be solid at the plate. So I think what you saw this weekend, a very, very nice sign, uh, you know, for, for this South Carolina team because in, in baseball, we, you know, we see that the way to actually have these big innings and to um, consistently put up runs is when you have that length in your lineup. And that's that every single out is is difficult. And Khalil, for a stretch, was a borderline you know, automatic out. But now you're seeing him start to have better at-bats, confidence is going up, and um, just is one more spot where that pitcher can't, can't take a, an at-bat off. And w- when that happens, that's, I think, when you can cons- consistently put up runs and, uh, and put yourself in a situation – to uh, to be a really good, consistent offense. So uh, we'll see what they can do this week. Uh, Tuesday at North Carolina, the Charlotte matchup. That'll be interesting. North Carolina not quite having the year that, uh, you know, you normally expect from them. 
and another very winnable game, I think, for South Carolina. So we'll see if they can keep that momentum up. Men's basketball over the weekend. Commitment from Chico Carter. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this just because I am not quite as familiar with him as maybe I would be some of the uh, the basketball – or excuse me, the, the football guys. But a, uh, a former Cardinal Newman kid uh, obviously went to Murray State for a couple of seasons, now is back at South Carolina, announced his commitment actually right at noon on April 3rd on Saturday. And um, – Really had a strong year for Murray State this past season. Averaged uh, 12 points, a couple of steals. Um, really good from three, 44.2% uh, from three, and uh, 81% from the free throw line. And someone that South Carolina, um, you know, recruited a little bit, but, you know, I don't, I don't think really did a whole lot with as far as offering him out of high school. And, Someone that that obviously, as we see South Carolina losing some guys from this current roster to um, you know to the transfer portal or potentially to professional ball, you're going to see them look to bring guys in from the transfer portal as well. And this is the first of those. I, I do think, and I've noticed some of the reaction on Twitter to to guys leaving. Obviously, you know Trey Hannibal, Jalen McCrary, T.J. Moss have already announced that they're leaving. Important to remember that with the scholarship situation being what it was, that South Carolina, you know, having four incoming guys, not counting Chico, they were going to have to have some guys transfer out anyway. So, you know, the fact that they've had three transfers, that that's sort of that, – that's partially by design. You were going to have to have some transfers out to hit the 13 number anyway. So not not really a complete surprise or even a you know I've I've seen that as a as a way to sort of down Frank Martin from some people you know saying well you're having transfers that that's a bad thing well honestly transfers are happening everywhere in, in college basketball right now so it, you know if you want to go at Frank Martin for the record this past season if you want to go at Frank Martin for you know, not making the tournament since the Final Four, if, you know, whatever arguments you want to make about the future of the men's basketball program, all those things, you know, that, that's your right. You can make an argument there. I just think using the, you know, these transfers as a way of sort of um, saying that, that Frank Martin isn't well-liked or doesn't have uh, the program in whatever shape, I don't think that's your argument to make. I, I think that's going on everywhere whether you're a successful program, non-successful program, in the middle, all over the place, everybody is having transfers out right now, and and most everybody is having transfers in right now as well. So we'll see what this looks like. And it's also, I think, um, as far as the program goes, the it's harder to project what these rosters will look like because of the fact that kids can now try their hand at the NBA draft um, you know, as far as going and, and seeing what teams think of them and then make a decision to, to come back, at, you know, after, after that. So it, it's very difficult. Uh, you know, what does Keyshawn Bryant do? What does Jermaine Kuznar do? do? What does A.J. Lawson do? Um, all those guys um, will, will play a big part in seeing what exactly this team looks like next year. And I, I think – I think getting some – if they can get somebody like Keyshawn Bryant back, then 
or you know, and or AJ Lawson back, then that obviously is a huge key for this team moving forward and a huge key for them having a chance for for next year and not to be, you know, another disappointing year for for South Carolina. But uh, by, by all indications, Chico Carter appears to be a solid pickup. Uh, appears to be a guy that can shoot for them. Appears to be someone that um, can hit his free throws when he gets to the line, and uh, will add. I think the important thing is here adds a shooting element to the team that that South Carolina, um, you know, I, I think needs to add. So uh, a nice pickup for South Carolina there going into the transfer portal. We will see if they remain active and going out and getting people. But again, whether or not they can bring in transfers or not uh, will be determined on which guys decide to come back and which guys don't. And uh, John on Facebook says, my argument about Frank Martin is one trip to the tournament in nine years, period. And again, John, if, that, if that's your argument, that's that's a perfectly valid argument. Like, I, I understand that. Um, I'm I'm only saying the people who are using the transfers as a as reasoning to then down Frank Martin. I just I don't think that's your your argument there. I think you don't need to make up not that you are personally. I'm just talking about some of the stuff I've seen on Twitter. Transfers are a part of the game at this point and really have no bearing on whether you're a good program or a bad program. It's happening everywhere right now. Was was my point about the uh, the transfers and what's going on right there? Let, let's turn the page to football and uh, then we'll close it out again. I'm going solo today, so maybe not a full hour, but was was super pumped to be back out there and um, head out to to South Carolina's football practices today. Was out there for about four sessions this morning. Shout out to Steve Fink. Shout out Shane Beamer for letting the media be out there. And, and again, shout out to all the workers at Gamecock Park. Um, you know, while we were out there, they had the the full huge vaccination site going. Um, if if you have not gotten your your vaccine yet and you're wanting it and you just haven't been able to set it up or something, um, just going out to Gamecock Park. From what I understand, pretty much anybody can get it at this point. They have tons of supplies. It's actually a very quick, um, very efficient process. So uh, again, shout out to all the workers. Whether you are, you know, first line workers, National Guard, um, volunteers, whoever else was out there, they were doing a fantastic job, and I, I think we gotta we gotta recognize, uh, you know, those people more for the hard work they're doing and, and helping us get back to normal. Um, not here to tell you all about whether you should or shouldn't, you know, all that's your decision. But if you've been thinking about getting the vaccine and looking for a place to get it done in this area. Gamecock Park, give them a thumbs up. I got my Pfizer one. I was perfectly fine. Had a little arm soreness. Good to go other than that. Um, so, again, shout out to Gamecock Park and all the hard workers out there. Back to practice. Uh, great to be back out there. There, Beautiful day for practice. High energy. And I, I really I wish there was more information to give y'all because um, I know this is the time of year where everybody is sort of just – wanting any little morsel of information they can get. Still, you know, they were in pads today. Still hard to to tell a whole lot without seeing actual, uh, you know, 11 versus 11, which we didn't get to see any of that. Um, but I, I did I did take some notes. And so, it, you know, and I, I don't know how much you can even put into a depth chart at, at this point. 
because really I, I tend to think depth charts in the spring are more about, you know, who's doing every single thing they're asked of. Sometimes it's about who's maybe played more, who's, um, you know, who, who's the veteran and who's not. But I, I do think they maybe tell us something, especially if you look at maybe if there have been changes in the depth chart from one practice to the next or from maybe one, you know, from last offseason to this offseason. You can tell maybe who who has stepped up. And um, I think it, it is interesting. Jalen Nichols, uh, that, that was a, a spot that I, I circled on um, on my notes here. By the way, first team O-line today was Jazz Turnitin at left tackle, Jalen Nichols at left guard, Eric Douglas at center, Javon Gwynn at right guard, and Dylan Wanham at right tackle. That's the same starting group that was out there at least at the beginning of practice uh, day one. And to me, Nichols possibly being in a position to take over that left guard spot, um, it is noteworthy because – he didn't play a whole lot last year. If you look back the year before, he actually played quite a bit as to be a true freshman. He played quite a bit in a reserve role and then started when some guys were hurt and then, you know, was never really in the mix this past season and, and now is, is working with the ones there at, at left guard. And, you know, I, I think a guy who who physically fits the left guard position or fits the guard position in general he played some tackle early in his career, was always deemed as, as a kid who could play guard or tackle. But I, I think seeing him out there with the first team group here now, two practices that I've been at, w- was noteworthy. Um, the other thing, Chad Terrell continuing to work with the first team wide receivers. This is someone that, again, you know, Chris and I have talked about it. Chris, for those of you who are on Gamecock Central, he's reported Chad Terrell had his best offseason as a Gamecock and it's sort of being rewarded for the hard work that he's put in, working with the first-team group. Dakarian Joyner working with the first-team group at slot. Jalen uh, Brooks working with the first-team group at the other outside wide receiver spot. Then uh, Nick Muse, first-team at tight end. Luke Doty, first-team at quarterback. And uh, Zaquandre White, again, working with the first-team at running back and, and getting rewarded. Kevin Harris was back out there, um, appeared to be moving around and uh, appeared to be 100% and uh, w- was working actually with that second team group. So um, I thought, I thought you know, again, you, you can't take a whole lot from that, but worth mentioning uh, where some guys are standing right now. Colton Gothier was working with the second team group at quarterback and really ha- have received a ton of praise for his early just ability to to pick up the offense to, to make the throws in practice and to be in a position, uh, you know, as a young guy coming in from, you know, from private school ball as a young guy coming in that uh, had four different offensive coordinators in four years, had multiple head coaches during that span and really has just picked things up very well. If y'all have not heard Colton talk, um, go on YouTube, uh, just type in South Carolina Gamecocks and, and Colton spoke last week and, and really did a good job, I, I thought, in his first media setting uh, of sort of uh, giving people a little bit of an idea of what he is all about. Uh, let's see, we got a question and a comment. A few comments here. Let's see. CJ, I want to see our four- and five-star guys shine, like Sandage, Pickens, Birch, and Huntley. 
Russ says uh, Zaquandre is a great team guy. I agree. And uh, actually, Zaquandre White, one of my favorite guys on the team, just the way he carries himself. Uh, Rashad Amos and Jalen Dickerson, were they out there? Rashad Amos was definitely out there. Jalen Dickerson, ah, that's a good question. There's so much going on. Hold on. Y'all give me one second. I'm going to check Colin's notes and see if he happened to mention Jalen Dickerson working with uh, the secondary. Um, neither one of us know, uh, noted Jalen Dickerson working uh, with either team on, on defense. So he may, he may have been one of the guys who was not out there. I'm not sure. And, and for those who don't know, generally, you know, you, you have it, you have it separated out. Like sometimes a guy, you know, we'll see a guy's not there and they'll be in the indoor facility. Anybody that's banged up is normally in the indoor facility and, you know, working on, on doing some type of like rehab or physical therapy or something like that. Not saying at all that that's the case with Jalen Dixon right now have not been told that, but I did not personally put eyes on him or notice him this morning. Uh, Nathan says my biggest concern is DB and linebacker. I think that is a uh, valid concern. Uh, Local sports talk says front seven is fine. Our DBs um, are where you're worried. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think all that's fair. I think there are question marks at all of those positions. And, uh, by the way, Colin, if you're if you're not a Gamecock Center subscriber, Colin Taylor had the first-team defense, at least as far as the first part of practice. And I, I thought this was interesting. Brad Johnson working with the first team at linebacker. He and Sherrod Green were the two sort of starting guys in the 4-2-5. You know, you just have the two little inside linebacker spots, and uh, Sherrod and Brad were the two first guys there. Enigbare, Jabari Ellis, Zach Pickens, and Aaron Sterling were the first four up um, on uh, on the defensive front. And then in the secondary, you actually had Adonal Fortune, Jalen Foster, David Spalding, R.J. Roderick, and Dominique Hill. Uh, apparently Cam, Cam Smith and uh, Marcellus Dow for part of that drill were just not out there on the field, but they were at practice today. Um, I, I mean, obviously I think Cam Smith's probably going to be one of your starting cornerbacks this year, but uh, just at that particular time, they were, uh, they were doing something else and, and were not in that drill. So uh, I don't know if you can tell a whole lot from that listing as far as the secondary goes, but Interesting that O.D. Fortune and Dom Hill were at least for that drill working with the first team at cornerback. Um, let's see. We got any more questions? I uh, Let's see. Yeah, we did have another question, I, and I'm, I'm about to close it out here if you don't have any questions. But um, if, if you do have questions, I'll try to hit as many as I can before I roll. Let's see. Yes, Sandage, Sandage is fine. For those who have not seen, uh, T is asking about it on here. He was in a wreck on Friday, um, said he had a headache. I think he cut his hand or something, but he is fine. But he was not out there, but they actually expect him to be back in the next few days. He's been dealing with a little bit of an ankle injury that he had uh, before the accident, had nothing to do with the accident. Um, he had missed the first uh, little bit of practice anyway, the first few practices because of the little ankle injury, but is expected back here. Um, practicing pretty soon. Um, let's see. Cam Smith's weight. 
I, I do not know his updated weight. I, I know he looks like a guy who has put on a, a little bit of good weight from what I saw. He he looks – I mean, Cam has always, you know, sort of looked the part, but obviously came in and, and needed to add some strength, needed to add some weight. And uh, Cam is currently listed at six foot 187 on the South Carolina roster. So um, I, I do think Cam has put on some muscle, added some strength which is uh, clearly a, a big deal for him. Um, let's see. Get a few more questions for you guys. What position group am I most concerned about? I mean, I think you nailed it. I, I think it becomes DB until it's not. You know, I, I think that's a spot you'd look at losing a, a J.C. Horn, losing an Izzy McQuamu, uh losing a Jamie Robinson. Um, you know, I, I I really thought Johnny Dixon had a chance to, to – play a ton this year. He obviously played a lot last year. He's probably locked in as a starter this year if he would have stayed and, and obviously transferred out and, and went to Penn State. But um, I I think until the DBs show that they, you know, are ready for SEC ball, then, yeah, that, that remains a big question mark. That doesn't, you know, I'm, and I'm not bashing the kids. That doesn't mean that they can't be successful by any means. It, it just means that um, that is your biggest question mark, I, I think, moving forward. Now, um, Cam Smith going to have to have a big year. He's going to have to have a really good year for South Carolina. Marcellus Dial is someone that I've heard some good positive things about early on. That he looks the part athletically that, you know, maybe he's a guy who comes right in. He is already on campus and uh, pushes for a starting spot right off the bat. Um, Isaiah Norris, the other junior college kid coming in, uh, you know, they, they are high on him. They, uh, they believe he's got a chance to, to be really, really good. And, uh, you know, we'll see how quickly he can pick things up. And then, you know, y'all, I think it's about the, the young players, how, how quickly can a, a Dominic Hill pick things up? Uh, you know, uh, can, can RJ Roderick, a guy who's a veteran now, obviously, um, can he bounce back and have a big year? All, all those things are, are questions in the secondary that um frankly there'll be questions until they're not you know like there'll be questions until the games start and uh, until they are able to um to go out and prove what they could do and I, I think some of this will be very hard to tell until the games are played because you have two positions with question marks that um are right up against each other every single day in practice and so what I mean by that is that you have obviously the the defensive backs and the receivers you're if you're a coach you're judging them on how they perform in practice and both of those you know the receivers may be the biggest question mark on offense the DBs may be the biggest question mark on defense and you're trying to judge how good they're going to be based on how they do against each other so i i think it's hard to really say until those position groups are able to go out and play against SEC competition. Um, all right, cool. Lots of good questions here. I'm going to try to run through them here, y'all. Position group I am least concerned about, I would say, has to be running backs. Uh, that's the spot I think you don't worry about at all. Uh, I think they're. Uh, I think they'll they'll be really really good, and I think they'll actually potentially be dynamic. So for me, running backs probably one. Tight ends probably next. I, I think with the 
the experience you have there and uh, what you have uh, added to the group and the young guys you have there, the guys that are now healthy. Kevion Mullins is sort of the forgotten guy there. Jaheim Bell, somebody asked about Jaheim Bell. Jaheim Bell was out there and practicing in full go, which is obviously good to see for him. So running backs, least concerned, I would say tight ends is next on that list. Third on that list, I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I think you'd, you'd probably have to ask me that in, in a couple of months um, when we see how how much and who progresses on the O-line, how much and who progresses on the D-line, and how much and who progresses at quarterback would probably – those would be the, the position groups in the running for third as far as the least worry goes. Um, CJ wants to know how, uh, Debo and how much he'll play this year. I think he'll have a chance to play quite a bit. Um, I also think we need to sort of pump the brakes a little bit and remember that he is a true freshman. The, you know, the kid has the right attitude, um, has, was really, really good in high school. He's got, he's going to have a chance to be really good here, but I, I think we've got to remember, even though he was a transfer, that he is a true freshman. So, uh, you know, want to see more out of him as far as just seeing him in a, a game setting, seeing him in a spring game setting, but, um, certainly, I think he'll be in the mix at linebacker, um, whether that's as a starter or a reserve, I think will be determined, you know, in, in the next five months as we see how everything plays out. Quarterback competition, uh, Nathan wants to know if it will get tight. You know, it's an interesting question, Nathan. I I think right now, reading between the lines, that Luke Doty is your presumed starter. I, I think he has a pretty nice edge as far as being the presumed starter. And I, I think um, it's going to take a lot for someone to step up and beat him. All that said, it, it's April 5th. There's still a long time. You've still got the rest of spring. You've got the summer. And you've got the preseason to, to go as well. So um, who's to say a, a Jason Brown can't get comfortable and start pushing? Who's to say Colton Gothier can't push for that job? So there's uh, there, it's still to be determined. But if you're at just asking my opinion, sort of predict the future here a little bit, I I would be kind of surprised if Luke Doty is not South Carolina starter game one um, when the Gamecocks uh, tee it up this year. Let's see. Uh, Patrick wants to know how involved Frank Beamer will be. Uh, not not involved at all officially, from what I understand. No sort of off the field role type thing, but I, I think he'll be more involved just unofficially as far as you know being a sounding board for Shane Beamer being someone Shane Beamer can call up if he has a question about particular situations and stuff. Obviously, you don't know what it's like to be a head coach until you're a head coach. So there are situations that that will come up for Shane Beamer that he's never been in in his whole life. And, you know, you it, it's nice for him to have someone who he can then lean on, um, you know, to know what to do in, in those situations. Uh, Brian wants to know, is Jordan Strong in the convo? I think Jordan Strong is definitely in the conversation at, at the edge position. I saw him today. He he looks the part, a long, uh, long-armed, tall, pretty lean, but has put on some muscle type kid. Um, look, look the way you want a pass rusher to look. So, you know, we'll, we'll see where he sort of falls into the mix as far as fight. I mean, you're fighting it out with, with Enigbare, with Aaron Sterling, with Jordan Birch. Um, you know, those guys, but I think safe to say he'll have every chance to be in the two deep 
uh, at defensive end and how they perform in the next, you know, five months will determine who the starters are and, and who's coming in after. Uh, let's see. Uh, Rosendo Lewis is indeed healthy. Uh, saw him out there today. So that was obviously good. Best guess on starting center, I would I would give the edge to Eric Douglas again. Although I will say, worth mentioning, probably the biggest takeaway from from uh, Jimmy Lindsay and Greg Atkins speaking today uh, combined, the biggest takeaway from either one of them was how much praise that Greg Atkins had for Vinny Murphy, who and you know Vinny's playing center, he's playing guard, a tough nosed kid. Hasn't really gotten his opportunity much yet as far as to go play in a game. You know, I, I think um, with, with some of the injuries and stuff South Carolina had last year, you probably would have seen Vinnie Murphy play in the bowl game uh, before the bowl game got canceled last year. You, I think he was in line to to get a lot more PT than he had been getting. That obviously didn't happen. Now with a, a new start, new coach, uh, new approach, uh, Murphy's been been good apparently, so I, I think that's a great sign for that unit. And you know, you'll probably still give the probably still give the edge to the veteran there, but I think with with Murphy pushing at guard and center, that was one other thing Atkins said. If if you can play multiple spots, then that that gives you a really good chance to get on the field. And I you know I, I think it sounds like Murphy has put the, put himself in that position. Um, all right, y'all, I'm going to get a few more questions here. I, I need a drink of water here. Y'all give me a second. Um, you don't, you don't miss Chris Clark. You don't realize how much you appreciate Chris Clark until you do the show without him. Cause this is the time of the show that I would normally make him talk a lot. Um, have a good one, Craig. Appreciate you joining man. Would I redshirt uh, Colton Gothier? Too early to say, but I, I think the the four the four game rule is really nice for young quarterbacks, and the fact that you can play a kid for four games and still redshirt him, and you know you you can make both sides of that argument because quarterbacks generally, if they don't play, they transfer. So, you know, I, I think less and less and less of the time are you really looking to, to redshirt a guy. So I I don't think you go into the year saying you're gonna redshirt Colton, but if you have an opportunity, you know, to play him in four games and still save his year of eligibility, that, that's probably the approach I would take. Now, if he ends up being the number two guy, which right now you know, I think you have a real competition there for, for number two with him and and Jason Brown. If Colton is your number two and he ends up uh, in the game, you know, in a situation where he's having to play, uh, you know, via injury or some other reason, then um, th- then absolutely you have to play him and uh, and not worry about, you know, the red shirt. If, if a guy's going to help you, if a guy can help you, I think you play him, and you don't worry about the red shirt at all. Um, let's see. CJ wants to know, most underrated freshman or incoming transfer um, that will get the most playing time and will shine when the time is presented? It's a good question. 
I and I hate to just steal Gamecock Russ's, Russ's answer, but um, I think Chris and I talked about this question a while back, and Amari and Brown has been my answer really from the beginning. I tend to think of the newcomers, if you were going to put like a percentage on it, Brown is probably the guy that you that has the greatest opportunity, the greatest percentage opportunity to help right away, if that makes sense. Now, if we start talking about upside and who could make the biggest impact, I sort of maybe, you maybe say EJ Jenkins. I, I think I, I sort of have said it like this. I think Brown will almost definitely make an impact of some type of, you know, some kind of impact. Whereas Jenkins, there's a little bit more of an if, you know, will he make an impact type thing in that there are some question marks, you know, guys making a big step up from, from FCS ball. He's sort of changing positions from receiver to tight end. So there are more questions. But in the case of EJ Jenkins, if it all clicks, then you're like, man, this guy is a freak matchup for opponents and quickly becomes a major part of South Carolina's offense. So I think the the floor is a little bit higher for Marion Brown. The ceiling is a little bit higher if you're talking about EJ Jenkins. But those are the two guys as far as newcomers that I say have have the best chance to uh, you know to come in and help South Carolina right away. <clears throat> After that. I don't know, may, maybe a Jordan Strong. After that, you're certainly you're hoping that a, you know a Marcellus Dow can help out in the secondary. That would be huge for South Carolina if Dow can come in and, and lock down a starting spot. Because as we talked about a little bit earlier, you're going to need as many guys as you absolutely can find to help at uh, at defensive back. Uh, CJ wants to know if uh, Ortray will have his breakout year this year. You know that that's that's the hope, that's the belief, that's um, you know he. He, I believe, is in the best shape he's been in a long time. Um, he is in a position where I think he's he's comfortable again. I think he's uh, physically in a good place. I think he's mentally in a good place. And um, I think for both Ortre and for the team, that would be absolutely huge, uh, you know, for the Gamecocks if Ortre Smith can can sort of come on. Because again, I. <laughs> I think that there are guys in the receiving court. There's a lot of bodies at this position, a lot of players who could potentially step up and play really well. You just don't know who to pick out of that group. You don't know who it's going to be, basically. And um, really all you need is three or four of these guys to step up, and they all have potential. And then all of a sudden you, you actually feel much better about the receiving core than uh, than you maybe did coming into the year. Uh, appreciate the tip there, local sports talk. Uh, throwing me a ninety nine cent tip. Appreciate you, man. Uh, Je wants to know what round will Shy get drafted? Why is he the best team fit for the Eagles? Guessing you're an Eagles fan, aren't you a Phillies fan too? Uh, there there's a no Phillies fan rule that I have just implemented on the show. Um, but no, I I think Shy. Third or fourth round, probably fair. Hope, hopefully, Shy sneaks into the third round. I, I think that's possible. I never claim to be an NFL draft expert, but 
I, I do think Shy is a really good player, and I, I think Shy can stick in the league for a while, actually, if he finds the right fit. So I, I'll, I'll say late third for Shy, and we'll see where he ends up. But as far as the um, as far as the the actual round goes, I'll say third. As far as the team. I'm not sure. Uh, let's see. A couple more questions, and I'm going to get out of here. Nathan, over under 2,000 yards and 15 touchdowns for the running back group. Uh, I I think over on that, and I'm, I'm not a stat. I'm not a stat nerd, but um, I think that's very doable as a group. I, I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head what South Carolina rushed for last year. Um. But when you think of, of the duo they have there, then add in Zaquandre White, add in Rashad Amos, add in Juju McDowell, um, and add in the threat of the quarterback run as well. Obviously, you wouldn't count that in the – you know, you wouldn't take that in the group in the rushing totals, but it, it helps, I think, as far as the output there um, that teams have to – sort of account for your quarterback. I think that's important as well. So, so yeah, I'll go over. All right, y'all. I think that's going to do it. Appreciate the show as always. Uh, appreciate the support. Appreciate y'all coming in and, and hanging out with me and uh, hanging in there, even though it was just me, Chris Clark, sitting on a beach somewhere, maybe hanging out, maybe having a cold beverage. I'm very jealous of him right now, but um We'll be back for a show. I, I believe I'll probably do one on Wednesday as well. May get some special guests to join us if possible. And then um, on Friday, I'll have uh, Colin Taylor on, as always. Colin does every Friday to come in and, and help preview the baseball series and, and whatever else is going on in Gamecock Nation. Uh, yeah, appreciate the support. Hey, Gamecock Russ, tell everybody about your YouTube, man. Uh, y'all can go subscribe. Uh, subscribe to Gamecock Central on YouTube. Um Search for that right now. Hit the subscribe button and uh, hit up Gamecock Russ on there as well and subscribe to to his YouTube too. He'll have some good Gamecock content on there. I can promise you. And uh, CJ keeps asking me about the merchandise. Man, I, I'm telling you, I, I want some GC merchandise, but I just don't have the time to put together the store. So if any anybody that has some some information on how to easily put together the store for Gamecock merch, for Gamecock Central merchandise, shoot shoot me a message or something because that's been in the cards, but it always gets pushed to the back because content comes first. And uh, between the show, you know, content on the, on the page and uh, just trying to keep up with everything else going on, social media stuff, getting the merchandise store up and running, just always gets pushed to the back of the line. And uh, but if you know what, if, if there is a huge need or a want, if y'all would buy Gamecock Central stuff, um, then yes, we need to do it. We want to do it. We've talked about it honestly forever. It just hasn't happened yet. So hopefully we can do that in the not so distant future and get something going. And, uh, and have some – and maybe we'll even give away some shirts and some stuff like that if, if possible. But, yeah, appreciate the support. Appreciate y'all. Uh, come check us out, GamecockCentral.com. And, of course, we'll see you on Wednesday for the next episode of GC Live. Appreciate y'all. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry. 
sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.